I just want to want to start by saying that this isn't really intended to be a uh, a full on uh, message. Uh, our family uh, had a Sabbath week this week, as we do after as a part of our life rhythm after the week of Easter, and um, and so. What we wanted to do and what I wanted to do was create a space for a little bit more dialogue-driven um, stuff. And, and to be honest, sitting in, uh, in the, the space of prayer just now, when we, uh, when we lifted up those words, I was just reminded of the depth of this community um, corporately. Like what we have as a community is, um, is robust and really beautiful. And we can really learn from each other, and we can really encourage each other in good ways. And often, that doesn't happen enough in the church, to be really, to be honest. It just doesn't happen enough. There's too few voices um, that that provide encouragement um, from the front. And so, the mutuality of, of the body of Christ is something that we want to focus in on today. Uh, so, I'm going to share for a couple minutes, and then I'm going to um, kind of curate. We're not going to do breakout rooms. I'm going to curate just a few open questions um, as we lean into the idea of, of really discipleship um, is what I want to get to. So the, the reason that I was drawn to this this week is kind of this standalone week. We're going to get back to the questions of Jesus in the Gospels next week. Um, but as we, as we move on in the Easter season, remember the Easter season is 50 days long. Um, as we move on in the Easter season, it's this time for fresh beginnings. Um, it's a time for fresh starts, for fresh awareness, for fresh intentionality. Remember the, the biblical story specifically the way John writes it, sets Jesus up as the first of a new dawn, of a new creation, right? So the, the, every time when we celebrate Easter, we are reminded in a new, fresh way that life begins, that, that eternal life is possible, that new life now, day to day, is possible. Um, so I want to reflect on how the day to day right now gets affected by the resurrection, um, I, I want to reflect on, on discipleships for just a little bit, and then I'll invite you to either share some of your own discipleship movement or to ask some questions. Um, this seems like a good week for kind of that soul, that soul check-in. Uh, all right, so we often assume when we think about the resurrection that we celebrated last week, we often assume that it's primarily about what we might say as souls being saved. That's often what the cross and the resurrection um, has been boiled down to. But when we turn the resurrection into something that is only relevant after I die, then what we end up doing is missing how big this story is intended to be and what Jesus certainly intended to do and communicate uh, through God or what God intended to communicate through Jesus with this whole resurrection. Um, we need to understand in the book of Acts, when the early church, um, the post-resurrection church, trying to figure all of this out, what they did was... Um, they, they proclaimed that what people needed to do was, was come back and center on and center in Jesus with both hope, grace, forgiveness, and then a new way of life in community. Okay, so the book of Acts is not just a bunch of people saying, yay, there's life after death, we're good. It's a bunch of people learning how to live in light of the resurrection, to live in light of the resurrection. Okay, um, now that they had been freed by Christ, now that their lives had been centered on Christ, what would they do? How would they act? In what ways would things be completely new and radically different? Um, that's kind of the risen Messiah community that we're looking at. That's what we are the, um, the recipients of. The, the, that's our ancestry, right? Okay, so, so like I said, the hope and the joy of resurrection is often seen as the gift of salvation 
And then the work of it all is seen as like discipleship, right? Like, I guess, doing the stuff that Jesus told us to do. But what if, what if our understanding of discipleship that we're going to unpack in just a minute, what if that's part of the joy too? What if instead of like, hey, I've received grace and forgiveness and love and Jesus has conquered death, isn't, isn't just like the good part and then the hard part is now I have to go and do something about it for, and, and like be obedient to Jesus. What if that's a part of the whole joy of, of the resurrection? Um, instead of thinking about this, the whole idea of a life following Jesus as hard work, what if we directly related it to what happened on Easter morning? as a part of the gift and the joy. That's what it is. Um, in Matthew 28, let me throw it up here. I'm all over the place with, uh, with tech. So here you go. Um, there it is. In Matthew 28, um, the final kind of story <clears throat> that happens with Jesus in, in the Gospel of Matthew is the post-resurrected Jesus comes to the 11 disciples um, in, in verse 16 of chapter 28, they go to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Galilee would have been the beginning of the ministry. Really beautiful. Like they were all from Galilee. So they go back to their hometown. They leave Jerusalem for the time being. Anyways, that's, that's a, just an interesting thing. They move out of the epicenter of power. So it's important. I'm not going to skip over that. They move out of the epicenter of power and back onto the margins where they're going to start their work because it's, uh, it's not this top down kingdom. Okay. Anyways, um, he told them to go there. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Again, amazing little start. The church was founded on worshiping doubters, <laughs> people who didn't have it all figured out. They worshiped him and some doubted. Um, that was just a part of it. That was a part of this crazy, weird, radical, Jesus has risen sort of a thing. And, and it's just a part of our story. We need to not be so afraid of the complexities of, of faith. So, all authority, then Jesus says, on heaven and earth has been given to me. So he looks around and he says to his disciples, I've just conquered death. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. We are one. All authority, whatever I speak, is true and absolute. You now know that. Here's what he says. Therefore, so I, I've got all the authority in the world. God's given me everything. Here's what I'm going to tell you now that I've resurrected. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, which was literally a, a, a literal thing, but also it meant figuratively ushering them into the family. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus, in his post-resurrection speech, what he talks about to his people is about making disciples. The word for um, disciple um, is methetes. That, that word, let me get this uh, passage off the screen so you can see it bigger. There we go. Um, so, so the word for disciple is methetes, and it literally means learner. Okay, so we say disciple and we have all those Christian connotations for it. But what disciple meant was a learner and not just any type of a learner, but a pupil that was in um, kind of the tradition of a, um, an apprentice. Okay, so what a disciple would do is they would um, apprentice or have an apprenticeship, a group of them, with a rabbi. 
and they would learn to be as much like the rabbi as possible by imitating him, by following him around, by listening to everything he said. Okay? And so, so it's really interesting because what Jesus does is he goes, he starts with this, this lordship moment, right? They've, all the disciples have just seen him as Lord, as God of the universe, raising and, and, and conquering death. And then he actually moves that backwards. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to go back to the original model that we started with before you understood me as God. I'm going to go back to the rabbi disciple model. And I'm going to teach you now that you've seen me live my life. And now that you know that nothing can shake you. Now that you know that death doesn't even have power. Now, I want you to be reminded about the calling to come and follow me. I want you to be reminded about what discipleship actually is, and I want you to commit your lives to doing it and to helping others do it. All right? Um, so, so an apprentice then, he says, I want you to become something new. I want you to become like me and to help other people become like me, to learn what it looks like to actually follow me with their actions and their lives. Do you see how Jesus links the hope of eternal life um, and our daily actions, both as an outflow of the resurrection. As soon as he's resurrected, what's he talking about? Now that you've got this new life, I want you to live in a new way. I don't want you just to think about the future. That's where your ultimate hope lies now. But because you've been set free, right? Jesus says, I've resurrected. I've defeated the power of death. I've told you about heaven and about earth, about life and about death. Everything that I've told you is true. So therefore, go and make more learners that live like I did. Not converts, that's a part of it, but that's not the end game. A lot of Christians act like making converts is, is kind of the end game. The end game is more people that look like Jesus so that we can partner with God in, well, so that we can receive the grace of God and be set free from the power of sin and condemnation, and then so that we can partner with God in bringing the kingdom about in our lives as God brings the kingdom about ultimately. So the church has got to get this right. Um, but it's not some massive task or burden like we've made it. We've turned discipleship into this heavy, heavy, heavy burden um, because we've pulled it away from like the resurrection and the joy of that. We don't realize that we've actually been set free and empowered to live in completely new and different ways and to be a witness to this, this new humanity that John says Jesus ushered in. Um, I love those phrases. So the pressure's off, right? The tomb is empty. The pressure's off, the real work is done, and you and I have nothing to prove now. All we have to do is live in the freedom of love and grace. That's the soil that discipleship flourishes in. No heavy burdens. Freedom. To live radically different. Paul understood this, under this, this connection with, with um, discipleship and the resurrection. Let me throw another passage up real quick. Uh, and this is in Philippians. And where to go? Here we go. So this is in, in Philippians uh, 3. And I want you to, to check this out. It's, it, Paul's writing about all these other things and about, about experiencing grace and, and everything. But he, but he says this. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Okay, so he's talking about the power of the resurrection, right? And participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. 
so that I might somehow attain or or um, connect with, is that word, to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul says, I want to know Christ, and part of that is knowing the power of the resurrection. And part of knowing the power of the resurrection is what? Becoming like him in his death. That means literally becoming like Jesus was as he died, founded on forgiveness, on compassion, on grace, on trusting the Father, on oneness with God. I want to become like Jesus. I want to know the power of the resurrection and become like Jesus. The resurrection and learning to become something new are connected. The hope of God forever is connected to the way that we live today. And we cannot, we can't keep doing this grace thing and work thing. We can't. It's all a part of the gift of God's life. He's empowered us to live completely differently in the world. So once we get this, once we understand that that the early church, everybody saw that because Jesus is risen, I am now empowered to live a new life. Then we can get to this process of, of what that looks like. Um, so, so we talk a lot about, and we're about to, to throw it out here um, to everybody, to, and I'll, I'll help you understand what the, uh, the things that we're going to share about are. But we, we talk a lot about God's goodness, right, um, in the church, and we talk a lot about doing the things that Jesus taught us to do. But there's a necessary component in the middle of that. So there's like receiving God's forgiveness, So this is kind of how we think about salvation. And then there's obeying the commands of Jesus. And obeying the commands are really about, um, well, they're about obedience, right? And so the thing that's missing in between here is, is about the process by which we get to hear from here to here. And that is heart and character transformation. And here's why we're going to talk about that for a moment. If we do not have heart and character transformation or heart and character change, then what we end up doing is we say, oh, I'm so glad that God has forgiven me and I've been set free. Now I have to do all of these things and it becomes a task list. And I know a lot of people who have received love from God and understand that God has rescued us and they're trying to do all the commands, but they've missed the heart and character change. And so they're just as judgmental and just as selfish deep down as they've always been. They've, they've not been transformed. They're trying hard to do the things that Jesus told them to do, but it's not coming from a changed heart. It's not coming from true, uh, a true experience of, of discipleship. And so that's why we have to sit with what it means to become something new during this resurrection season. Um, discipleship is literally developing the heart and the actions that come from learning deeply from Jesus and being empowered by his spirit. So, so discipleship is developing the heart and the hands of Jesus that come from walking with him and being empowered by his spirit. Um, I'm reading a book right now uh, about running, shocker, um, by Meb Kuflazegi. Uh, sorry, his name's difficult to pronounce. Meb Kuflazegi. And um, Meb is one of the best American marathoners in history. And in his 15-year career, he ran 26 marathons. And this book has a chapter on each of his marathons. And at the beginning of each chapter, he tells the story of his marathon, but he, but he gives one soundbite, what I learned from this and how it changed me. 
So every one of his races during his entire career, he understood whether it went great and whether he won the New York City Marathon or the Boston Marathon or was the silver medalist at the Olympics. No one's ever done those three, been a medalist and won New York and Boston. Or whether it was when he finished 25th and he threw up the whole second half of the race and he felt horrible the entire way. He understood that every single experience, if he was open to it, would change him. And so he said, here's what I've learned. Here's what I've changed because he was a learner for life. And I love that. And as we think about discipleship, the transformation piece of discipleship here in the middle, it's the same thing. It's just that Jesus is our transformative tool, not just our life experiences. And so, so this is underprioritized in most of our lives and in most of our churches. Heart transformation, heart renovation, character change. We focus on what God does like to us on our behalf, which is great. And then we focus on what we're supposed to do but not how we become different people as we spend time with Jesus closer and closer. And when we do that, um, we realize that instead of just thinking about action-oriented stuff, here you go, kids. Um, you know, we, we, we take on new characteristics. So instead of just doing like giving money away, right, we become people who are generous, Right. We become people who look at others with compassion. You know, we become people who, like Jesus, have deep trust of the Father, right? We become people, all right, who, who are filled with patience and gentleness for others. We become more nonviolent in our thoughts and in our actions toward other people? Do you see these sorts of things that happen? And they're not, they're not actions necessarily. They are, they are heart statuses. We become, um, we become more grounded in our, in our self-worth because we know that we are creating God's image. And these are the things that when we start to, to, to let Jesus change us into these characteristics, then all the actions flow out of it and it's joy and it's peace. And it's not, oh, darn it, I'm supposed to give away some of my money to the poor because Jesus says that my excess kind of belongs to them. <laughs> Instead, it's, oh my goodness, what a gift. I've been set free. I don't have to worship money. I can give freely. You know, um, oh my goodness, somebody did something hurtful to me. Thank God that I have experienced enough grace and I am strong enough in my self-identity that I can release that and I can understand that they have been through difficult hurts too and often people are just acting out of the same hurts that they've experienced and I will even pray that God will restore and comfort them. Do you understand how the heart transformation totally changes how we do our actions? It's crucial. All right, so resurrection people are being made new all the time. All right, and if we are learners, then resurrection people as disciples are lifelong people of learning the new ways of Jesus, constantly, constantly wanting to learn more. So here's what we're going to do for, I don't know, 15 minutes maybe. Um, I'm going to invite you to take all of this uh all of, all of this idea of, of what a disciple really is, of being someone who is becoming, becoming more 
like Jesus or who wants to become more like Jesus and kind of encourage one another. Um, and here's how you can do that. If we understand that active discipleship is about becoming. And what I'm going to do is um, maybe if... Um, Maybe if, uh, if Melanie or someone is at, um, at the computer, if you want to type these into the chat box, Mel, that would be great. Um, so, so the question, because I might not keep this screen, I might go back to my laptop in just a second. The, the questions that we want you to think about are, what are you becoming because of Jesus? Okay, what are you becoming because of Jesus? We're thinking about the resurrection right now, right? We're thinking about being people who have been made new. What are you becoming? What are the characteristics maybe that we just mentioned? What are the characteristics from the beginning of the you are that you are starting to actually change toward and move toward? Not in an arrogant way, but what are, what are you becoming as you move toward Jesus? Um, or the second question is, uh, is what do you want to become because of Jesus? You know, what do you, so maybe you're not, maybe it's just the desire that's growing. So maybe it's just the desire that's starting to grow and you're like, I'm not, I, I'm not saying that if you share from the first, you're actually there, but maybe you're saying, you know, here's what I really, really, really long to become because of what I see in Jesus more in new ways this season. So what can you give witness to and say, here's how Jesus is transforming for real. And it can be simple, right? Or maybe it's, here's where I really want God to be shaping me more. Okay. And then the third one is just really about learning. What questions do you have about the discipleship calling that Jesus gave us? What questions do you have about it? And, and we, you can ask a question and maybe I can offer some, some insight or resources um, as, we, as we think through why discipleship is so central to our entire Christian lives. Why becoming like Jesus is not some add-on thing to experiencing the grace of God, but it's central to how we live out um, this, this new world that is full of justice and, and, and acting and working for peace and, um, and compassionate care and all of these things.